0: Hi, everybody. So, this is really going to be fun. We are here to talk about a movie called Big Trouble in Little China. And, uh, this is, I guess you'd say, sort of a campy action classic. <laughs> um, and, uh, and my friend AJ is here to, to talk about it with me. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So, this is, is this a film that you kind of grew up seeing? Or- it is
1: not actually. Like I kind of have an interesting story behind this. Like, when I was in kind of like in junior high and high school, that was when I was first starting to get into film, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I would go on IMDb and just look up directors that I liked or that I thought were interesting. And I would just go through their whole filmographies. And so, and this is one of the films I discovered that way while I was going through John Carpenter's filmography. Because mm-hmm. I've always been a horror fan. That's kind of where he made his name for himself. And yeah. that's that. Mm, that looks interesting. That that's that poster caught my eye.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd heard about this movie but I had never seen it. I I thought that this was all like I guess I thought this was sort of more Chinese than it was. That sort of surprised me that it was I thought it was like set in China. I mean, I just I knew nothing. So <laughs> um and uh yeah, I I think this might be the first John Carpenter film I've actually seen, uh, believe it or not. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> horror girl, and uh, so, yeah, it's sort of interesting. I mean, I think that you could see little elements, would you say, of sort of little inspiration, a horror inspiration in here, would you say? Yeah,
1: especially in the monsters that show up throughout the movie. Yeah. And, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about those, but those almost seem like he's just trying to make a an allusion to the fact that he's a horror director, because they don't really... Been into the story spectacularly well, <laughs> right. I but right. yeah, we'll get to that.
0: <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this movie is it's sort of built as a fantasy martial arts comedy. Why don't you tell us a little, kind of a little bit about what what it is?
1: Okay, so the film opens with Jack Burton, played by Kurt Russell. He is a truck driver and. We don't know what company he works for or anything. he drives a semi-truck that he calls a Pork Chop Express, which is painted on the side of it. And he's very much – uh he fancies himself to be a macho man, I guess <laughs> you would say. Um He's very blustery. He's kind of a blowhard. <laughs> when you yes. About him. He's, he loves his CB radio. It's kind of like podcasting before podcasting in a way, <laughs> the way he uses the CB radio to kind of dispense his – quote-unquote, um, insightful <laughs> look look at the world. And he comes into San Francisco. He comes into Chinatown. And he meets up with his friend named Wang, who is played by Dennis Dunn, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't remember all the actors and who played who, but um, they're gambling one night. They gamble all night, actually. <laughs> and in the morning... Um, Wang tells Jack mm-hmm. that he's gonna go pick up his new bride at the airport that morning. She's from China and she has green eyes and he makes a really big point about that because there's not very many Chinese women who have green eyes or Chinese people who have green eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and so they go to the airport to pick her up and she is kidnapped by a gang who, who Chinatown is her turf basically. She's kidnapped and while they're there, they meet up with a journalist who, who works Chinatown kind of unofficially named Gracie Law, played by Kim Cattrall And she's there with, with a friend of hers, I guess. I don't know. They don't really go down that, <laughs> down that road too much, but, mm-hmm. but, um, anyway, so they, so obviously mm-hmm. Wang wants to help, <laughs> wants to rescue his bride. And so they pursue the gang into this, Into this alley where they find, where they find this other, where they're cut off by this other gang, basically. They're having a funeral for one of their members. And they are confronted by another, a rival gang, and they get into this battle that they witness. But it's cut off when these three mystical figures show up called the three, the three storms. There's, I don't know, each of them have their own mystical powers, and they basically break up the fight. And as Jack and Wang are trying to escape, they encounter kind of the head of these of these mystical figures named David Lopan. I said they don't know that it's him yet. They just know that he vanishes when Jack almost hits him with a truck. And all of a sudden he's there at the back of the truck. They drive through him, basically. And so Jack naturally has questions about all this. And so Wang takes him to meet his uncle, I think. That's also not clear. There's a lot of things that aren't clear in this movie because it moves so quickly. Yeah.
0: It's kind of of the, once they get sort of the introductions out of the way, I feel like it's sort of a, almost like similar to labyrinth in the sense. There's just sort of, they're in one confined space. There's a bad guy and there's sort of one, one obstacle after another obstacle after another obstacle after another obstacle.
1: Yeah, Exactly. And that's basically it. That's where Gracie and Wang and his uncle, they all kinda of tell Jack about David Lopan, who's this big crime boss in Chinatown, that everybody's afraid of and that he has this big network underneath Chinatown. Or wait, they don't never mind. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. They don't know what's underneath Chinatown, but they know where his operation is, where where he works out of. And so they team up to go Infiltrate Low Pants Network and Rescue Wang's Bride. And that's basically where anything that you could so not size easily <laughs> ends. Yeah.
0: So what's your overall, like, thoughts, uh, reaction to rewatching the movie?
1: Um, I think I still, li- I like it a lot. I think I liked it more when I first saw it when I was a teenager because it seems like a movie that was kind of made for teenagers <laughs> when you watch it, you yeah. know. But I still like it a lot. I think the character I think Kurt Russell's really fun to watch throughout the movie. It's kind of a interesting ter- character. not really it's someone that you would see a lot of stars play, I think it's kind of a character. yeah, and then I also really like the fast pace and the action. you see a lot of things that you would not see in any other movie or- and things that you wouldn't see put together in any other movie. mm. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I I enjoyed it as well. I uh it's not a typical movie that I would like gravitate toward. I'm not that big a fantasy person, I'm not that big martial arts kind of person, but it was different and it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I think that the biggest thing that makes this movie a success is is Kurt Russell. Like this is just one of those movies that just lives and breathes on the back of its star. And uh, and everybody else is fine, but fairly unmemorable. But he is this movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting. This movie was originally written to be a Western when its script was first first draft. It was going to be Jack Burton was going to be this cowboy, kind of this John Wayne figure who rides into San Francisco like in the 1890s or something, and his horse is stolen. Instead of his truck <laughs> by the crime boss and, and I think you can kind of see that still in Kurt Russell's character and his portrayal. Do you by- know what
0: made them change it?
1: Oh yeah, the, the writer thought that we've already got, we're already throwing a bunch of really weird random stuff at the audience in this movie. Having it also be a period piece and having the, <laughs> having the audience get used to that would, would be too much mm. for this particular story. So
0: so they were still gonna have the monsters and
1: Yeah, everything else is gonna be the same. they said it was gonna be a Western.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. It makes sense why you you'd hire Kurt Russell then. Uh yeah. He has that sort of outlaw with a heart of gold kind of feel. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I think you can really see him kind of channeling John Wayne <laughs> throughout yeah. the movie. Like there's even some parts where he even sounds like John Wayne and the way he reads some of his lines. <laughs> Things like that.
0: Yeah, he definitely does, and he uh, he just sort of owns the screen the way that John Wayne always did. Yeah, and uh, he he manages to take a character that could be unlikable, that's kind of an anti-hero type, and make him very very likable and funny, and it just you have to have charisma in order to pull that off.
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting, and the reason why I kind of mentioned that I think it's kind of a brave role for him to play is that he's not really playing John Wayne the way John Wayne would play himself. <laughs> you know, like John Wayne was always like this really competent, <laughs> tough guy, you know, who always knew what to do. Kurt Russell's kind of playing Jack Burton, like what if John Wayne was a buffoon and <laughs> didn't really know what to do in a lot of situations, but he acted like he did. You know? Yeah,
0: that's true or like yeah, he acts, that's very true. He does, he acts like he, he is very confident. And yet, uh, and then some of the best comedies, that's what you get is, is characters that are, are, are completely 100% confident, but they're completely horrible at what they're doing. And that's yeah. always, that's always really funny.
1: Yeah, and I think like the moments that stand out to me the most when I think about his character is there's a moment where he's handed a gun. By someone who who he's with like an Uzi and he starts to fire it, but he doesn't, but it's not working and he doesn't understand like what's going on here. And they tell him, hey, you got, you still got your safety on (laughs) there. Mm -hmm. And they have to teach him how to take the safety off (laughs) before it's just things like that. And then he's, yeah, exactly. He's, he's not confident, but he likes to act like he is.
0: Well, and it's weird because – so there was talk uh, – there's talk of them doing a remake of this movie with The Rock, which The Rock uh-huh. does, I think, have the charisma to pull it off, I think. Um, but, man, there's so many elements of this movie that I feel like would be very uh, – wouldn't be PC now. And I, I just wonder how the heck you would pull it off. You know, you have a mail-order bride, basically, You have, or arranged bride, at least. You have – the, you know, the Kim Cattrall character getting abducted and and they're just going to be sold as a sex slave. You have some mm, little awkward depictions of the Chinese, you know, it could be a little, yeah, not, not great. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I don't like it's In a way it's kind of refreshing because I, I, it, it's, it's, it's not a safe movie. It's just kind of out there, but it just makes me, wonder like how um, how they would possibly sort of make it modern
1: yeah that is interesting and I was thinking about that when we chose to watch this movie I was like "Hmm, this will be interesting to see how people react (laughs) to this one or how people, people think of it now and it's interesting like you mentioned Wang's bride, the Chinese woman who's kidnapped, she does literally, almost literally, nothing <laughs> through the course of the movie. She is just a damsel in distress. Yeah. At least Kim Cattrall is intelligent. If if a little bit, she's a little bit ditzy at points, and sometimes she does some things that are questionable, you know. And she is kidnapped, but she is intelligent, at least, you know. Mm-hmm. And she does. She does have things to do <laughs> throughout the course of the movie.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, and most of the, uh, there is her, his friend, uh, Wang, but most of the Chinese characters are just, they're almost like stormtroopers, you know? They're just sort of there to like. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, uh, uh, but I don't know. What did you think of Wang as a character? I liked him a lot. Like,
1: Kurt Russell is actually, Kurt Russell and John Carpenter have both said that. Jack Burton's not really the action hero. This movie, Wang, is the action hero. Like in any other movie, Wang would be the lead character and not Jack. (laughs) You know? Right. I see that a lot, watching it this time around. Because Wang is really the one who knows what's going on. He's the one that's competent enough to fight off what's going on. Except for one significant scene at the end. (laughs) Where Kurt Russell kind of gets to show off a little bit. (laughs) And yeah, like I said, in any other movie, this he would be the star of the movie. And I think he's... I don't think he has enough unique personality traits, I guess, to make him truly memorable. But he's good when you're watching it, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, and it has, like, a certain degree of sort of nostalgia, I guess, about it. Uh, where, you know, you had, like, the the Lone Ranger and, uh, and Tonto. You have... Uh, uh, you have... Uh, Brit Reid and Cato from Green Hornet, like these kind of sort of combinations that are s- kind of similar to this, I feel like.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like, I think actually John Carpenter specifically mentioned things like that. And he said, I kind of wanted to turn that on its head, especially the Green Hornet and Cato kind mm-hmm. of situation. Just kind of switch, I guess, the nationalities around. <laughs> I don't know. Well,
0: because I think that the Green Hornet is very similar. So I'm curious to, I wonder why he thought he was switching around. Because, uh, you have a, uh, Chinese character that's, you know, Bruce Lee, hello. He's the, uh, he's the, <laughs> the one that, you know, can fight where the, the Lily character's kind of incompetent. And uh, so that's what made me think of it right away is that you have yeah. the assistant who's the real like talented fighter.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's just solely a case of like the nationalities when he was talking at that particular moment. Mm. Like I think when they were making the movie, they were just focused more on the archetype. This is the action hero. and This is the sidekick. Well, let's make the sidekick <laughs> but you, the, the, the main focus of the movie. You know, the, the person who we see the movie through their eyes, basically. Mm. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So what do you think of the, of the, uh, um, I
1: think he's an interesting character. I kind of, he's a, he's kind of a unique villain in a way. Like, like I would expect him to be, I don't want to say he's down to earth, but he's definitely not down to earth in a lot of ways. But, just the way he interacts with the characters, especially because he takes a lot of different forms during the movie. Because the whole reason why he wants to get married is so he can get his physical form back, <laughs> so he could become, so he can get his physical body back, basically. Mm-hmm. But so he takes a lot of different forms during the movie. Like when you first see him, he's like this really intimidating Chinese warlord-looking guy, and then this, then later on, when you see him he's an old man in a wheelchair, <laughs> and you see him kind of change forms throughout the movie. Yeah. And I think the actor who played him did a really good job, just kind of giving him a different personality based on the way he was being portrayed, you know, almost like when he's the, the warlord type guy, he's very regal, almost in a way, like in the, like in the way he interacts with the characters. But when he's the old man, he's just very cranky and he kind of talks in a more down to earth (laughs) kind of manner
0: it kind of reminded me a little bit. I mean, there's a bunch of movies that I felt like it reminded me a little bit of, but again, labyrinth or uh time bandits kind of had a little bit of that feel with the villain. <clears throat> and, um, you know, there's just a little bit of a Jareth kind of feel, I think to, uh, you know, this, it seems like an eighties kind of thing to have these, uh, sort of over the top kind of fun villains like in this way. Yeah. 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 So yeah, he was he was interesting, and you know, kind of kept it feeling sort of fresh and kept it from being boring.
1: Yeah, like there's that scene where you're in like this mystical, like kind of ancient Chinese decorated room, and Mm -hmm. then just out to the side, outside, you see like all this modern computer (laughs) system and stuff like that. And just when he sees that um, Kim Cattrall and or whoever, oh no, a bunch of just. Chinese, like a bunch of Wang's friends, are showing up to help bite him off. Mm-hmm. And just the way he talks, like this, just ticks me off to no end. And <laughs> things like that, like it's like that made me laugh. Like that is not the way I would expect that character <laughs> to express yeah. himself in that it's, moment.
0: It's true. I mean, one thing I appreciate appreciate about fantasy films in the '80s is that they all look so different, and they all uh they all have like. Slightly different approaches. You mean you've got this? You've got again, Time Bandits. You have Princess Bride. You have, um, you have Tron. Like very different. Uh. That's more sci-fi, but still, I don't know. It's just really cool that I feel like they really built worlds and really built. You know, cr- they were very creative, uh, and because they had to be. And I feel like with CG, so many of the fantasy films end up looking all the same, and they end up being kind of bland as far as the visuals or just the creativity of like the way the magic is done and the way uh it it feels like I've seen something that looks like this a million times you know what I mean
1: yeah I know exactly what you mean that's why I was bored with with Marvel movies for a long time before Guardians of the Galaxy basically Mm. because I felt like all of those looked the same up to Guardians of the Galaxy when people when they kind of look at it like, oh we can do different things and people will still respond to it. Yeah. You
0: know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's true. Uh you know, they are they're all trying to sort of for a long time they were all sort of trying to copy copy Christopher Nolan is his aesthetic, copy or Peter Jackson's aesthetic. Uh but um uh I don't know. I just something about when you I think when you actually have to build a world it just is so much more interesting to me as far as, uh, and and they do a good job with that here. And it's not like the little pond is like the most interesting. I would say he's not as interesting as uh, the Goblin King in, in Labyrinth or, uh, you know, some of these other characters, but he, he works for this story because uh, it, it, I don't know, it works for this story because it's all about sort of him leading this whole sort of clan, this whole gang, basically.
1: Yeah. In a way, I feel like he almost depicts the tone of the movie really well. Mm. kind of in his two personalities because this is very much a world of fantasy that's kind of shoved, kind of smashed into a more down-to-earth, almost more down-to-earth kind of world, you know? Yeah. And I feel like his two... Forms of himself are very like they depict that really well. Like the old man on a wheel in the wheelchair is very much down to earth in the way he talks, in the way he expresses himself. Not quite, but almost. And then the warlord's more like the mystical elements of the movie. You know, <laughs> like when you see him in that style.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, he, I don't know, just the whole sort of. Bandit, they don't waste time in this movie with like exposition about the curse and what the curse is and all of that. That would be very boring. We don't need to know the ins and outs and the mythology of the curse and where it came from and we just need to know that there is a curse and here's it is and here's people fighting and here's a bad guy, here's a good guy. That's all you need.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, and that goes back to the point that we made about this movie being really fast paced. I yeah. get it. Very fast paced, so much so that I had to rewind a couple of times because I would miss things. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> what did they say there, or what happened there? You know. And mm-hmm. I think that's because John Carpenter has said that he's very much influenced by Howard Hawks, the director from like the 30s to like the 60s, okay. who was very famous for m- making fast paced like comedies and action movies. And people people talk really fast in his movies, and they overlap each other and things like that. And I think you can see a lot of Howard Hawks' influence in this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh What do you think of, like, some of the martial arts sequences?
1: I thought they were, I thought they were really, I think they were depicted pretty well. Like, I think the best one is when they crashed the wedding. Low yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think the editing in that, in that scene is, in that part is really, really good. Yeah. That's, like, they really enhance the martial arts moves and things like that.
0: I agree. That one, that's my favorite, too. I also really like the when Wong is taking on the, the guy with the sword. Oh, yeah. Pretty soon after that, I think. That was pretty cool.
1: That was cool. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's kind of neat, not about the martial arts, but kind of a sidebar about that scene where they crash Lopan's wedding. I think that's another scene where you really see – Kurt Russell's John Wayne as a buffoon kind of (laughs) attitude coming out because most of that fight, he's not fighting. (laughs) He gets himself in these really weird situations or these really goofy situations where he's not able to fight. Like he fires his gun into the ceiling and knocks out the plaster and knocks himself out for half the fight.
0: Or he's
1: thrown into that big guy with all the armor and the guy falls on top of him and he can't get out from under him. (laughs) Just things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not doing hardly any of the fighting in that, in that big set piece.
0: Yeah, that's true. Or there's that great scene where he ends up in the wheelchair, uh-huh. he's like leaning back and he has to be like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. That was a fun set piece. Uh, that was entertaining. And, uh, you know, I feel like this is the kind of sort of the move, kind of movie that like something like suicide squad kind of wanted to be, but it, it just was too messy and too, it was a mess, but like, uh, or may, maybe that one also trying to be a little Ghostbuster, trying to be a little, but, uh, but I don't know, just sort of these sort of scoundrels all kind of, you know, fighting and, and, uh, and, but I don't know, this just has, has so much more sort of charm and, and, uh, it's just so much more engaging than, than that. And I, I like I said, I do think that Carysel is a big reason for that. He's just so fun. And nobody's taking it too seriously. A lot of movies like this that are made now, you have, uh, I don't know, people that are, are taking it very seriously, turning it very reverential and tone, and instead of just having a silly time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, you can tell that everybody in this movie is in it just to have fun, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, and it. Feels like they all are having fun through most, most of the movie, anyway.
0: <laughs> I feel like I keep talking about other movies, but for some reason that was just my experience watching this film. But another movie that this guy just recently saw, it, that this definitely, I wouldn't be surprised if it took some inspiration from, is uh, is the first Hellboy movie. Oh, is very. there's some very similar circumstances in the creature design and the way they. Uh, I don't know, this sort of the action sequences kind of, I feel like are somewhat similar.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Like, I haven't seen Hellboy in a long time, but just the whole aesthetic of that movie, as yeah. I remember, is very reminiscent. It, it looks the same yeah. as Big Trouble in Little China does.
0: Right. Yeah, so, I don't know, it's really interesting. And what do you think of, like, the creature design that they have?
1: I think the creature design is really It's, it's funny. It's almost, it's cartoony in a lot of ways, which is really kind of unique. Mm -hmm. Like, like when you think of, like there's this one monster in particular that I think of. It's just like this glo- this big floating orb, basically. And it has like a bunch of eyes and a mouth, basically, is what it is. And whatever it sees, Lopan sees, too. And I think of that, and I think that is something that you would, that I would expect to see, like in a, like in an animated TV show an animated movie or something. It looks like it's animated, but it's it is, but it's not like animated in like the, the sense that we think of animation. Yeah. And I feel that same way about the but somebody else on another podcast called the Chinese Sasquatch basically. <laughs> Big hairy monster who is the one who actually kidnaps King Cottrell she stops to look into a secret passage for no good reason whatsoever.
0: Yeah. I think that one's the most original. It's sort of, he looks sort of like a, a giant ape kind of type. creature, yeah. Sort of.
1: I like how they put so much personality in the face too. Yeah. If like you can tell what it's thinking when you look at it, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you're just trying to figure out how, how the heck are they going to get out of this? And, and uh, I kept wondering the whole time. I'm like, is is uh is he really gonna make his friend pay pay the gambling debt?
1: <laughs> I yeah, exactly. Out of
0: the movie. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him.
1: Exactly, and this movie has a really unique ending, which I think will be fun to talk about. Yeah, maybe towards the end, like it it doesn't end in the way that a lot of other movies of this kind end, and I think it goes back to kind of that Western archetype. But yeah. We'll get
0: to that. The, the ending, well, I mean, we pretty much, I'm trying to think what else that we haven't covered. Um,
1: oh, one more thing I wanted to mention about the monsters before we move off of that. That's <laughs> really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, well, one of the people on that podcast I mentioned earlier, it, it's called Junk Food Cinema, by the way. Uh-huh. One of the guys on there is a screenwriter. He wrote the screenplay for Doctor Strange. In fact, and he was talking about the script for this movie and how almost everything works in this movie <laughs> perfectly, you know, like script wise. Like it moves really fast, so you yeah. can't really tell that it's that it's structured really well, but almost everything is set up in a way that you almost that you don't know something's being set up. Yeah. Like when Russell catches the bottle at the beginning of the movie after his friend knocks it with a knife. That's setting up the end of the film where the villain meets his demise and things like that he said that the only things that don't really have a place in the movie are the monsters, you know, he feels like they're just kind of shoehorned in, into the story. And I was thinking, I can kind of see that actually. Yeah. You know, they just I can feel see like- that
0: too. I can see that yeah. too. But you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to just have fun with it. Really, really enjoy it. Uh, yeah. And like you said, I think if they spent longer time with like exposition, but I, I prefer, you know, movies like this or Princess Bride where, like, in, uh, it, when they're going into the, in Princess Bride, when they're going into the forest and there's the, uh, uh, the ROUSs, uh-huh. <laughs> and all you need is, uh, <laughs> all you need is for, they're saying, what about the ROUSs? It's the rodents of the usual size, you know, and, and make, that's it. You don't need any more explanation about where they are or, uh, I, <laughs> I think yeah. you know that's it, that's all you need and uh you don't need some big long thing here
1: yeah and i think it's i think it is fun that makes for a fun experience when you first realize that hey wait a minute there are monsters in this world like yeah I that the moment when the secret passageway opens and you're like what's going on because then, then nobody comes out of it at first and then kim cattrall stops to look inside and you see this big old hairy arm grab her and pull her inside yeah Oh, that came out of
0: nowhere. <laughs> well, and it also helps when your movie isn't over long when it, yeah. when it starts. Cause now every fantasy movie has to be three hours. It's like everything's, you know, or two and a half, three hours. And uh that, then that starts to try your patience. You know, something like Warcraft being so long and, uh or, you know, there's just, I really think almost every fantasy is super long these days. And so this being basically an hour and a half, it really, it helps so much so that you're, it helps you enjoy the experience a lot more.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And again, that's part of, part of it being fast paced also. And yeah. Very Howard Hawks like in that way too. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> you, you don't have all this time to be like, Oh, you know, why are they, why are they doing this? Why are they, who are these months? You know, what are these monsters? You're just kind of enjoying it for what it is. And so I agree. Um, well let's talk about the ending and like I said, this is just my, uh, um, uh, my episode for talking about other movies, but, uh, th- I recently saw the Miyazaki film, hi Miyazaki film Lupin the third. Have you, have you heard of that?
1: I've heard of it. I haven't seen it though. That's his well, first movie, isn't it?
0: Yes. So yeah. I, maybe I shouldn't say this cause it would be spoiler. Um, uh, but it did make me, there were a couple things that made me think of it in this, uh, uh, in this movie, but the ending is kind of unpredictable, like, like this movie. Of course, that was released before this, but, but anyway, I, I did like, I did find that ending kind of refreshing. You know, you've got sort of the, uh, the rogue character, and, uh, he, you know, he just, uh, he, he could be with Gracie, but instead, he, he hits the open road.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, just, this- one thing really quick, just going back right before that scene, that is Jack's one action hero moment towards the end of the movie. He's the one who gets to kill Lopan at the end of the movie when he oh. catches a knife in midair and throws it back into his head. Right. <laughs> but that's, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But the scene I want to talk about was the one that you were mentioning. Like, that's a scene that, and this is going to sound really funny, but the movie I thought of when I, when we saw the ending was La La Land, actually. <laughs> Because it ends in very much the same way. <laughs> you know, it's like, aren't you going to kiss the girl? Aren't you going to kiss her? And Kurt Russell looks at her, nope. <laughs> you know? And it's not that he doesn't like her, you know? No, it's not.
0: That's so funny. Not- I, that was the last movie uh, oh, <laughs> I was to talk about. That's hilarious. I it's mean, like, yeah. <laughs>
1: Like, hey, this ends just like La La Landers. Oh,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, except for he, he doesn't realize that he has the ring uh, monster in his trunk. Yes,
1: that's stowing away on his truck at the end. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so it funny. is, is this interesting that they never did a sequel to this.
1: Yeah. Originally, this movie was going to be a sequel to another movie. Okay. The movie, the screenwriter, W.D. Richter, the guy who actually rewrote the original script, the movie he had written and directed just before this was The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across what the... Is that? It's like a, that is a really hard movie to describe, and I haven't seen it, I've just read a lot about it. It's about, Buckaroo Banzai is kinda of like this Indiana Jones character, who is, cause he's, in that he's also a, he's a professor, like as college professor and a scientist and an adventurer. And he's also a test pilot. <laughs> and he's also a rock star. He has a band called the Hong Kong Cavaliers.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and he kind of goes on this. I've like, uh,
0: never heard of that in my life.
1: Journey. And this was originally like when originally when he was going to rewrite it, he was originally wanting to make it into a sequel to Buckaroo Bonsai but they decided not ultimately not to do that that would be changing up the story too much you know
0: <laughs> yeah so, so uh, how, how do you how do you think that do you think this movie is i know we talked about it not being very pc but are there parts that kind of make you cringe a little bit uh, as far as the portrayal of the chinese characters
1: i think the biggest part that makes me cringe is is um, Wang's bride is a is a big part that makes me cringe, you know, like because she literally, like I said, does nothing over the course of the movie. She's either unconscious or she's hypnotized the whole movie, except for like a couple. I've seen it at the beginning and a couple seconds at the end, and it's like, yeah, and that bothers me. But there there are a lot of stereotypes in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's, that's except for except for Wang and I guess Wang's really the only one that's not a stereotype in the movie, unfortunately. But still
0: Yeah. I think uh, I I mean it's it's always a little bit easier this kind of thing when like the the white guy is the biggest joke in the room. That sort of helps you give some cushion to things. Yeah. I feel like uh, that uh, it's not like he's sort of Telling them how to live their life, or you know, it's just it's a silly, silly thing for everybody. It's not meant to be taken seriously.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I think that does cushion the blow that he's not, he's not like the white guy who has to come in and rescue everybody. You know, (laughs) if anything, they're rescuing him throughout the movie (laughs) as he gets himself into one situation after another. Kurt Russell does, but. But yeah, I think Wang is a is probably the one character that's the least stereotypical in the movie when it comes to racial stereotypes. And
0: then, Yeah. I kind of like in, in his review Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert wasn't a huge fan of this movie. He gave it uh-huh. two and a half stars. But he did say, I think it's interesting, uh, that he says, uh, this movie is straight out of the era of Charlie Chan and Fu Manchu. With no apologies and all of the usual stereotypes. If they didn't like The Year of the Dragon, which I guess it came out the previous year, then they're okay. sure to hate this movie. And yet, as we unveil the rehab Statue of Liberty and warm up for the 4th of July, it seems to me The Big Trouble in Little China is just one more example of the way every American ethnic group has been fodder for Hollywood's mill. It may not be true that Chinatowns are honeycombed with subterranean throne rooms, but isn't it kind of fun once in a while to pretend?
1: Yeah. That's
0: true. I think that's a good way of describing it.
1: Yeah. I think it is too. And like I said, it's not, I don't think it's a movie that's trying to be racist. You know, in some ways you can see some movies that are just really mean spirited about it almost, you know, and this movie is not trying to, trying to offend or trying to make any kind of racial statement at all.
0: Yeah. And it's just so silly. It's very silly. So I don't know, like you can't take it, all that seriously, it's it's just a fun, silly movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and, but yeah, I so I really enjoyed it. What, how, like, would you get out of if you were going to say one to ten? Like, what would you give it?
1: Hmm.
0: Probably.
1: Hmm. Maybe like a seven or so, because mm-hmm. I think it is a lot of fun. I don't think it's the best movie in the world. There are little, there are things about it that don't work, and I don't even think it's John Carpenter's best movie, necessarily. Mm-hmm. That's probably, for me, probably They Live, which we make, which he would make two years later. That's his alien invasion movie.
0: Oh, I haven't heard of that. I, um, I thought you were going to say The Thing. That's the one I always hear people talk about with John Carpenter, or Halloween.
1: See, I haven't seen The Thing yet, but... Okay. But... Um or it might even be Starman, which I've only ever seen part of. That's kind of his sci-fi romantic comedy drama movie. <laughs> huh.
0: So he really adds a more range than I thought. Huh.
1: Yeah.
0: Interesting. But... I didn't realize he did all these genres. Uh, yeah. So, I, I, I would, I think I'd give it the same. Seven. Uh, I think that, I don't know. It depends on, I guess, what you're comparing it to. But yeah, I'd say a seven, 7.5 in that ballpark. Yeah. It's like a solid B, B plus, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's not anything that's going to change your world necessarily. <laughs> it's definitely not a movie that's going to teach you some some crazy life lesson <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. But it's it's a good like lazy weekend afternoon kind of movie or yeah. or a rainy day kind of movie.
0: And it is totally <laughs> the kind of movie that and you understand why it's got cult status. Yeah. Just because everything about it is very that style, you know, kind of movie. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, it was a fun one to watch. It was a good pick. So I'm glad that, glad that I finally got to check it off my list. Does, does the fact that the, if the remake happens, will you be, like, really nervous about that or are you open to it?
1: Um, I don't know. I'm a really big fan of John Carpenter, so I don't know. (laughs) Like, just for, like, I just like his attitude. Like, when you watch him in interviews, he has a very, Nah, I was just making movies for fun. Kind of attitude. It was very unpretentious, uh-huh. and movies kind of feel that way too. So maybe I'm protective of it for that reason. Kind of makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. But I think The Rock is an intriguing casting choice for Jack Burton. Mm-hmm. I don't like you said. I don't know if he'll be as good as Kurt Russell was in no. that
0: role. But. The problem with, I mean, it's, it seems kind of funny. You could almost there's no you could cast Kurt Russell again, like. You <laughs> I mean yeah. it was just basically that character in guardians too, uh yeah. but um the the rock the only thing about the rock is that he's usually not mean you know what i mean like he's not like gruff and grizzled and he's usually pretty nice right
1: yeah and that's one thing we didn't mention about jack Burton. he complains all the time <laughs> <laughs> not in the way that gets annoying though it's just like, no matter what happens, he has some kind of, some kind of snipey comment to make about everything <laughs> that's happening.
0: That's very true. That's very, very true. So, anyway, who knows? Right now, The Rock has like 500 announced projects, so who knows if it'll ever happen.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, uh, alright, well, cool. Uh, this was a fun one to talk about, and, uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad that I finally, I said, got to, a uh, – check it off my list Yeah. Another you know, eighties. And I think that a lot of the, the eighties fantasy films, a lot of them are, are, are held up a little bit because of nostalgia. I mean, I still, you know, like I really do like labyrinth and I like willow and I like, you know, all these films, uh, but I, time bandits. And I think, uh, this one, I think, uh, is, is, well, I mean, I had never seen it before, so no nostalgia. So yeah. uh, I think that it, it, you know, it stands out. It's, it's a fun movie. So it's, it's not one of those ones that I watch and I'm like, what? Why? Why is this? A plus? <laughs> What's going yeah. on? So, all right. Well, cool. Well, where can people find you?
1: Well, kind of. I guess. I guess I'm running in book places right now, which is kind of miraculous for me, but. I am a writer, just like Rachel at rotoscopers.com, dot com, where we write about animated movies and TV shows and such. And we're actually gearing up for our Halloween countdown right now, right. <laughs> which is kind of on me, <laughs> so we got to work on that. So stay tuned for that. And then I also write on my own blog, which is Vintage bestibule dot uh, what is it WordPress dot com. I keep wanting to say Blogspot, <laughs> but. Um, and that's where I write about just everything else that I couldn't write about on rotoscopers, because it wouldn't fit. Comic books, other movies, TV shows, all that kind of stuff, so.
0: Yeah, uh, and we are, we are right in the midst of a DreamWorks countdown right now on, uh, rotoscopers, so you want to check that out every Monday and Friday. We have, we're, all of us writers are reviewing the DreamWorks canon, so that's good, that's a lot of fun. And, uh, I just posted this Week, uh, my uh, podcast on uh, Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Speaking of really great fantasy films, uh, and I was just blown away by the movie. I saw it uh, as part of Studio Ghibli Fest, and uh, I'd seen it a couple times before, uh, twice I think before, and uh, I liked it. But for some reason, just seeing it on the big screen just blew me away and so we had me and Stanford uh had a good time talking about it so you want to make sure you check out that podcast and this weekend it's very exciting tomorrow I'm leaving for Denver and me and my friends are going to see the Frozen musical so we're I am so excited about that it's gonna be awesome uh they're just doing the test run of it on uh in Denver before it goes to Broadway. So. It will be really good. And uh, so that's gonna be fun something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, we we have a bunch of fun stuff planned next week. Uh, but um, but yeah, so that's basically everything going on. So thanks for joining me on this and uh, we'll have to uh, talk again soon about another, if you have any ideas for uh, this one, isn't really a hidden gem. It's pretty well known, but if you guys uh, in the comments uh, can put any films that you'd like us to talk about, uh, we'd love to hear your suggestions. That would be a lot of fun. So thanks so much. So thank you. <laughs> Bye. Let's see.